Well, let me say welcome. I'm so glad you are joining us online at The Bridge. You really are our online family, and we consider you as such. And it is such a privilege and an opportunity to sit down with you each week, uh, whether it's myself or whether one of our other pastors or directors, to just open up God's Word together to discover who He is and the plan that He has for our life. Because we believe following Jesus makes life better. It doesn't make it easier. It just makes it better. And I just want to tell you, I am super excited about what God has done using this series, You're Not the Boss of Me. Um, you know, every series that we do, which is usually two weeks, four weeks, six weeks in nature, around a certain theme or a certain topic or a certain book of the Bible, God uses all of them. Don't get me wrong, because it's always about Him and His Word. But there are some series that just seems to be a God series. And I think this series has been one of those series. The number of emails, texts, phone calls, and conversations that our team has had with you online or uh, those on our Sugarland campus, Regal campus, people are opening the door to talk to someone about anxiety, addiction, guilt. And that's exactly what we wanted this series to do. Just sit down and talk with someone. Take a step to get help if you need it. Um, confess some things to a close friend if that's what needs to happen. So I'm just telling you, Jesus is offering hope to so many people right now. It is a great opportunity for you to jump on board with what God is doing in and through the life of the Bridge family. And it is an exciting time to be a part of this church. And so again, I'm glad that you're here. And I'm excited because I get to wrap up the series, uh, You're Not the Boss of Me, on depression. So can we all just get excited about that together? Is that all right? So if you're excited, just in the chat window, just write, I'm excited, let's go, uh, as we talk about this topic of depression. Now, I want to say at the very beginning, as I said when I talked about anxiety the first week, I am not a professional counselor at all whatsoever, uh, but I will be sharing some things that I've learned by talking with individuals, by talking with my personal counselors. Uh, toward the very end of the message, I will share a personal story that I've experienced with depression as well. It's interesting, when I was looking up just some general stats, I thought this was fascinating. Women are two times more likely to be depressed than men. Now, that one makes sense to me. A lot of times statistics just don't make sense to me. That one makes a lot of sense because it's the women who are dating the men or married to us men. Isn't that right, Chris? I mean, that's it. That's, so that's the reason if you're a woman struggling with depression, it's because of us. We take the blame and responsibility. Uh, this was another interesting step. Over one million preschoolers are taking antidepressants. This one confuses me. What are they depressed about? Yeah, I mean, man, it's preschool. If you can take a nap, you're in. Like the stress level is really low. Um, uh, but I had someone email me some pictures behind these stats concerning the preschoolers. And, uh, and maybe this is just a few of the reasons why they're depressed. Uh, number one, take a look at this picture, the infamous haircut. 
right? I mean, is, is that not a great picture or what? This kid getting, it looks like his first haircut, I don't know. Or what about this picture here? Getting a shot. Now, now as you, as you look at that picture, I don't know if it's the depression by the shot or his friends laughing at him getting a shot. And then finally, we have this picture here. Okay, that one, maybe not depression, but pure anxiety would give any kid when you have some kind of inflatable dummy standing over you that big. But of course, that would be week one of what we talked about. But again, some stats don't make sense. And, um, and so here's what I want to do today. I want to answer three questions as we talk about this topic of depression because it is a serious topic. There are so many people who struggle with depression and maybe that depression is for a season. Uh, maybe it is for um, years. Uh, and, and, and I want to upfront, I want to just say something that's okay. You can love Jesus with all your heart, be a fully committed follower of Christ, and struggle with depressions at different times in your life. I believe that. I, I, I believe we open up the journals of these great men and women in Scripture, and they had moments where they were depressed. You, you, you can't avoid that. It's, it's black and white. So I don't buy into the notion that, hey, listen, if you love Jesus, everything is going to be rosy in your life and you're never going to struggle with your emotions at all whatsoever. And if you do, then just hurry up and get in line and open up your Bible and everything will be okay. I'm sorry, but following Jesus doesn't fit real cleanly and, 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 and easily on a bumper sticker of life. It just doesn't work that way. I've always said this, and I believe this, especially when it comes to our emotions. Um, following Jesus is the best thing we could ever do. But it's not always the easiest thing we can ever do. I mean, Jesus even talked about this. Trouble's coming for you, he talked about. But I've came to give you peace in those moments of trouble. And so as, as, we, as we talk about depression together, uh, there are three questions I wanna answer. Number one, what are some things that cause depression? I think it's worth talking about and seeing if we can answer that together. Um, and what do I do? How can I help if I have a friend or a loved one or a family member who struggles with depression? We're going to talk about that a little bit. And then we'll wrap it up by talking about if you are struggling with depression yourself, maybe what are some steps you can take or where can you find hope when things feel so hopeless? And so that's what I want to accomplish in our time together. And again, I hope it helps you. And if you want to forward this to a friend or family member, I hope it helps them as well. So let's start by answering the first question together if we can. What are some things that causes depression? Of course, this is not an exhaustive list. It's just a few things on the list. And the first thing I wrote down was a chemical imbalance. We just have to acknowledge, just like there are times in our life where we break a bone, um, there are times in our life our relationships are broken. We have to understand there are times in our life where our mental capacity just gets broken. Uh, and, and there is an imbalance that just takes place. And if that's you, I'm of the opinion that you need to sit down with a professional counselor. And if that counselor recommends medication for you, take the medication. I'm not one to just say, hey, don't ever take medication. It's horrible for you. Now, of course, there are some things I would say that about, but not in this case. 
And I want to illustrate it this way. You know, as we move into the summertime, right before uh, uh, men or ladies go out to take care of the pool, which some people are already doing, if you have a swimming pool, please invite my family over because we don't. But, uh, you know, that, that there are times when a pool during the year will just get algae in it and it'll become cloudy. And if you don't take care of it right away, it doesn't get better. It just gets worse. Well, when that happens, in the Houston area at least, uh, men will go outside in 213 degree weather and they will begin doing what's called shocking the pool. Uh, they'll put chlorine in it to shock the pool. The next day or the next couple of days, it'll be a little bit clearer. But what will they do again? They'll try to shock the pool. They'll get the water and they'll take it to someone who is a professional in the area. And they go, tell me about the chemicals in the water. How do we balance this out? They'll take that information, shock the pool again. Until there is a perfect balance without algae in the pool. My opinion is this is what medication does for those who are depressed that it can shock the mental pool, if you will, so that the cloudiness can just go away long enough where you can think clearly. You can start having vision again for your life. Now, again, I'm not a professional. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm recommending if that is you, sit down with a professional who may actually offer that to you, and then you talk about it with your friends and families, because that might be the best option. Hey, listen, let's be real honest. The doctor who would prescribe that, God made his mind to think that way and blessed him in that way. God made the men and women who prescribe it, who create it, who put it together. He made their hands and their mind in a professional way to help balance things out for you. So just a suggestion, but we have to acknowledge what causes it is there's a chemical imbalance that takes place is all I'm saying. The second thing that can cause depression is stress. When we look at this past year, we had five cataclysmic events that have taken place. Uh, we had um, social injustice. We had a political environment that was hard for everyone to live through. I don't care what aisle you fall on. We had an economic crisis. We had a global pandemic, which led to health crisis. We did not have one this past year. We had five all at the same time, resulting in the third thing, which is loss. People experienced a lot of loss this year, whether it was with a job, a family member, a loved one. Um, stress, loss can create depression, as we'll kind of talk about in just a moment. And the last thing that I wrote down, again, there may be more, but I just call it stinking thinking. <laughs> when your mind starts going down a road of thinking incorrectly about life, you start putting life together in a way that is not healthy. You start magnifying issues that are really small issues. And, and here's what happens when we over-exaggerate what should only be on this level, but we take it to the level. Every single thing is a 10. Everything is a 10. And we spend our emotions at an exaggerated level it would be the same as you going to the grocery store and paying four times the amount every single time you went to go buy groceries. What would happen? Well, 
it wouldn't take long before you run out of money. And then what do you do? Same thing emotionally. When we spend our emotions at a level that aren't required of us, we're spending more than we have. So it's only a matter of time before we tap out emotionally. We feel numb. We feel hopeless. We feel lost because we have spent everything, which usually originated from stinking thinking about life. Uh, I failed here, so I will always be a failure. So now everything I do emotionally, I'm telling myself over and over, I fail you. You can see how this works out. So just some basic ideas of what may cause depression. Um, the, and several of those I think we could agree on. Uh, but I really want to move into this part. What if you have a friend who struggles with depression? How can you help them? Here's the first thing I want to acknowledge. If that's you, you are the one usually hurting more than the person who's actually depressed. And, and I just want to acknowledge that because if you are married to someone who struggles with depression, and especially if you have children together, you're the one having to spend your emotional tank to care for your children. You're the one usually having to go the extra mile in taking the kids here and there. Why? Because when you have a loved one who struggles with depression, their tank is on E in every area of life. So they don't have anything to give back to you. Therefore, it becomes so taxing and painful and hurtful for you. So I want to acknowledge that to let you know you're not alone if that's you. And so what can we learn together in case that's you on, on our online family? Here's just some observations that I wrote down. And the first thing to, for us to observe, and that's this, for the person who we love who struggles with depression, they feel this way. I didn't choose it. It chose me. It seemed like to the person, every depressed person will say, I don't know when it started and I don't know how it started. They might have an event they can point to, but it's like it slowly moved in their mind and heart and they can't point, this is exactly when depression started because they didn't choose it. <laughs> they truly feel like it chose me. And so this is how they feel. Now we can go to the to the scriptures to see where the psalmist actually felt this way as well in one of the times of his life. This is the great David who wrote these words we're about to read together. And I want to read this. In Psalm 42, here's what he said. My tears have been my food day and night. And while men say to me all day long, where is your God? Now listen to the questions that he doesn't know the answer to. This is what he struggles with. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? That's how a depressed person talks. They don't know why. They don't have the answer. Now watch. The next verse, here comes his thinking, thinking. Watch. I say to God, my rock. How interesting. God, my rock. But look what he says. Why have you forgotten me? <laughs> You're God, my rock, but you've forgotten me. Stinking thinking. He also says, why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? <laughs> now, watch, he also says this 
in a later verse, my bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? And again, he wraps it up. Why are you so downcast? Oh, my soul. Why so disturbed within me? And so when you ask a depressed person, why do you feel this way? They don't know. They just don't. Why? They feel depression chose them. They didn't choose it. The second observation I wrote down is this. They believe this is reality for me and my future. It's never going to change. The clouds have gotten so dark. The hole has gotten so deep that this will be my reality for the rest of my life. Now, what's interesting about this way of thinking is what the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinks within himself, so he is. It's almost projection, right? That the person with depression, their mind is clouded. So this is how they think. So therefore, their life plays out this way. It's a projection. It's not reality until they begin acting on the reality of what they believe is true. I asked a very good friend of mine, Paige, that I've known for many years, to share her story of a time in her life where she went through a season of depression. Listen to this. Um, In April 2019, I received a call um, that one of my best friends had passed away. Um, I began to just get upset and angry. This was the second friend of mine who had passed away within three years. It just, I took a downhill turn from there. Um, It was a spiraling effect from anger to grief to guilt to anxiety and just mountains and mountains of emotions that ultimately led me, I mean, ultimately led me three weeks later into the darkest hole I'd ever been in. I knew after months and months of just being in this rock bottom, I knew I had to make a choice. And that choice was to be the person God wanted me to be. And that nothing could hold me down. There was no shame or guilt or Um, situation that he hadn't already prepared me for. As the school year started, um, I was still involved with everything. I work in higher ed. I am a part of the youth ministry here at the church and those those balls start rolling and you know there were days I would show up to work and I would shut my door and I would take a nap at lunch because I wasn't there. You know I was just halfway there. And so it came to the point where my husband and I would just start talking and reading God's truth and just clinging to those verses that we know, which one one verse for me that has been with me for quite some time was Exodus 14, 14. And it says, the Lord will fight for you. And I knew that he was fighting for me as well as my husband was fighting for me, as well as my friends were fighting for me. And I had started fighting for myself, going to counseling and being able to talk about these things. Um, 
I climb, I climbed that, you know, I say ladder, hole, whatever. I, I picture a big sinkhole, and you just kind of slipping a little when the dirt falls, and then you just climb back up. And then, and, and to me, that's what depression is. It's not until you hit rock bottom that you really are looking up at God and saying, okay, God, where are you? And then he is reaching his hand out each moment after. And so in those months preparing, you know, November, December, um, I could feel God changing my heart through his truth, my obedience to him of, yes, I know to read my Bible. Yes, I know to read a plan on the Bible app. Yes, I know to talk to my counselor, but it, it's an internal thing. And I knew that I had to fight, but I also knew God was fighting for me. See, I like how Paige described it. It's like I fell into a hole. I didn't even see it coming and I fell in and I was just trying to grab my way out. And I loved how her stinking thinking turned into, I'm going to believe that God is reaching his hand out to me, whether or not I feel it or not, because I don't feel it, which, which gives us some points to remember about our friends and loved ones who are depressed. Number one, remember that facts don't help. <laughs> It just doesn't. Their mind can't process facts. And it's because their mind is thinking a completely different way. Facts don't help. The second thing to remember is this. Words don't help. You know, it's so easy in Christianity to have these trite little sayings. And it just falls so short for people who are really hurting in life. They just don't help. Um, and so this is a good rule of thumb. The first thing you want to say to someone who's depressed is usually the last thing you need to say. <laughs> Your presence matters a lot. And that's why I love this verse. So maybe this verse will help us in understanding how we can help someone who's actually going through depression. And this is the verse I want to use to help us out. First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12 and 13. Here's what it says. Now, all we can see of God is like a cloudy picture in a mirror. Later, we will see him face to face. We don't know everything, but then we will. Just as God completely understands us. What great encouragement. He understands us. But look at this last verse. But for now, there are faith, hope, and love. But of these three, the greatest is love. Now, I, I want to talk about those last three, and I think this will help us out. When it talks about, you know, the, the, these are the great big three, faith. And it says it is the evidence of things not seen. This is how Scripture defines faith. It's the evidence of things not seen. A person with depression can't see anything. So what happens when you can't see anything, there's no hope for the future. Therefore, you have no faith. It's like your faith is like David said. God, you don't see me anymore. Why am I so downcast? Why have you forgotten me? You don't understand me. You don't even, you're not even looking at me. You wonder. Even Paige's story would share that as well. Like, I wonder why God would ever allow this to happen. So when you come along as an individual next to them, it's not that they need to hear your faith. They can see your faith of how you're still trusting God. 
you're still loving him on their behalf in their gap for them. And it says faith and then hope. When you become hopeless, you open the door for depression to come in. This is natural for when it talks about hope. And here's what we know. Hope is not a feeling, though a depressed person will attach their hope and hopelessness to a feeling. Hope is a person. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. So when we come in, we are actually bringing in Christ into their life. You go, but wait, 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 wait. Okay, faith and hope. I get it. But here's what you said. Facts don't help and words don't help. That's why the scripture just told us, but the greatest is love. You bring faith and hope into the person's life by how you love them. Not by what you say to them. Not by the facts you give them. So scripture is saying the greatest thing you could ever do to someone is to love them when they are feeling unlovable. And I want to throw this out as well. I mentioned a moment ago that for the person who's hurting the most in that, in that relationship is the one who's not depressed, right? When scripture says the greatest of the faith of love, the greatest is love. I think it's also describing your character quality in the moment because now you are loving someone who is incapable of loving you back. What a great quality to have in your life. You are showing love to someone. They would love to show you love back, but in this season of their life, they cannot. Their words fall short. To you, their words feel hollow and feel empty. But scripture says, but the greatest thing you are doing is showing love to them. So what can we do for someone that we love who is in depression? We love them well. We serve them often. And we do speak truth over their life. Please hear me. They need to hear Jesus is the hope of their situation. So let me wrap it up by answering one more question. And that's this. How can I find freedom? Man, if I'm experiencing depression, if you're experiencing depression, what are some steps you can take? I want to share a little bit of my story real fast. Um, I've had several family members struggle with depression. I had never experienced depression in my life. In my late 20s, something happened and it, it rocked me emotionally. It was just some bad, bad, bad news that I was expecting the news to be total opposite, very exciting, um, life-changing for my future, for my family, so awesome. And the news was totally contrary to that. Um, I said I was okay, but I knew in my heart I had been crushed, crushed. A few weeks go by and my wife looks at me and says, you're not okay. She said that many times in my marriage now that I think about it. But this is in regard, sorry, this is in regards to depression. And here's what she said. You need to go talk to somebody. Now, I'm going to be real honest. I thought, I don't need to talk to anybody. I'm a professional Christian. I'm supposed to help other people. I'd never seen a counselor in my life. That was a mistake. But I knew I'd reached a point to where I had no answers beyond myself. And I needed to just sit down with someone who wasn't in the picture, 
didn't know my story and who I believe God may possibly have gifted to help people like me. So I reached out to Marty Miller, a counselor. Went to see him, first time I've ever done this before, and I was ready to lay down on the couch and start at the age of one. You know, I had no idea how this would even go down. And we sat down and he did say, hey, what, what, what brings you in today? So I explained to him the situation the best I could and set it up. And I said, it just, it just made me so sad. I just, I wasn't expecting this, wasn't looking at this, but man, it just flipped on me in a hurry. And um, my wife thinks I might be depressed. He said, okay. I shared a little bit more and answered some of his questions about the event that took place. And then he asked me some questions. And at the end of our time together, he said, well, there's no doubt. You check every box for being depressed. You are typical depressed mode right now is where you are. He said, hey, I want you to come back next week. And I want to ask some more questions. And I said, okay. Came back the next week. And this time he really did start a little bit earlier in my life. He said, I want to hear more about your story and your life. So I shared my story, I shared my life with him. At the very end of the session, he looked at me and he said, okay, Kenny, I define depression as this. There's something you want that you can never have. There's something you want you can never have. And then he looked at me and he said this, I know what that is for you. You need to go find out what that is for you. God is my witness. I looked at him and I went, that's what I'm paying you for. You're supposed to tell me what's wrong with me. And he actually started laughing and he said, sorry, Kenny, you have to go find the answer to that question. What is it you want that you can never have? And I was like, oh my goodness, I got homework. So I went home, I got on eBay, uh, went to the mall. <laughs> no, I, I'm like, okay, what, what do I want I can never have? And I honestly didn't know at the beginning. De remember, when you're depressed, it's hard to have clear thinking. That week, I really did search. I searched my own heart. I asked God, God, what is it? What is it I want I can never have? I came back the next week. I sat down with him. He goes, well, did you answer the question? I said, Yep, I came up with the answer. He said, what is it? I said, the one thing I want I can never have is my dad. You know, many of you know my story, but if not, my dad died of cancer when I was 21. He was my superhero in life. And he looked back at me and he went, that's it. You want your dad and you can never have him again. He said, so Kenny, here's what's going to happen throughout your life. At your highest moments of life, and your lowest moments of life, expect your emotions to go back to that one moment in your life that was your hardest. And it's actually in the highest moments of life and lowest moments of life where you might open the door to depression again. That dude was exactly right. It was like he was a professional counselor or something. I mean, I, I couldn't believe at the birth of my children, greatest moment of my life, I had these depressing kind of moments. It was hard to explain, but I'm so glad I went to him because I was prepared for that. And then at the end of that conversation, though, he said this. So here's my question for you. Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough? He said, 
Kenny, when you have now filled in the blank, this is what I want that I can never have, can never have it. My question is, are you willing to put Jesus in that blank? Will you let him fill that void of what you can never have? Is he enough for you? You preach about it. You tell others he is. But this is the one moment in your life to where you have to make that decision. I am so grateful I went to see him. What a different way of viewing depression for me. This is my story. It may not be your story. This is my story. But for me, it opened my eyes to see that it makes sense. I'm depressed because there's something I want so badly, but I will never have it. Or perhaps you believe you can never have it. So you just feel depleted and despair and depressed because you don't have what you really want. And I love this question, is Jesus enough for you? And I'm asking you, is Jesus enough for you? What, what's my suggestion to you? I'm just going to suggest to you what he suggested to me. I'm going to pass on information that helped me is all. Number one, write a letter to God. Just tell him how you feel. He already knows it. And he loves you. He is very concerned about you. He wants you to keep talking to him. I, I, I love what Jesus said. This is the invitation on the table if you're feeling depression in your life. Jesus said, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? Watch. Then come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. And I'll show you how to take a real rest. What a great invitation Jesus so kindly and gently offers to those who are depressed and burned out and done with life. And the reason I say, and I believe the reason Marty suggested that I write it, you will write things to God you won't say to him. <laughs> and don't try to, oh, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't write that. God might see it. <laughs> he already knows it. Write it out. If you're mad, tell him you're mad. If you've lost a loved one and you want that person back, tell him. If you've lost your job and he's not providing for you and in your mind you think, I will never have a job, tell him. What is it that you want you think you can never have? Tell him and then your emotions behind it. And then hopefully at the end of the letter you read it and then you hear him say, thank you for sharing with me. I'm just glad we can get away for just a little bit. And I want you to know I love you. And I want you to have rest for your soul. Write a letter. Second thing that I was suggested to me and I suggested to you, and that's this. Stay connected with others. Satan is the master, the master, when we have stinking thinking, to pull us away in isolation. And it's, it's not just isolation. It's like he backs us into the corner of a boxing ring and wears us out. And we have no one to help. There's no tag team we have to help us out. So stay connected in a group. Stay connected with someone you can keep sharing with. Stay connected with someone where you don't have to say anything, but stay connected. The third thing that Marty suggested to me that I'm passing on to you, and that's this. Serve others. Put, get your view off of yourself for a little while. You're not going to feel like it. You're not going to want to. But just serve someone else somehow, some way. 
It could be so simple as giving them a bottle of water. It could be uh, extensive of I'm getting back into ministry and serving with children, students, the host team, the welcome team. If you're watching online, maybe your neighbor needs something across the street from you. Just serve people wherever they are. Um, this is the verse I want to end with, and I hope it just gives you so much hope. I love this verse. It, here's what it says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 is where I'll start. Do you not know and have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, and he will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. Though you grow tired, he does not. Though you grow weary, he never will. He says, keep talking, keep talking, keep talking. He gives strength. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even yous grow tired and weary. You're not alone. You are not alone. And young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Not overnight, but in time. It's a promise from God. Your strength will be renewed and they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. If you were to ask me years ago in my 20s, would things ever change for you? I was so depressed, I would have told you no. They're not going to change for me. This is my life forever. I had stinking thinking. God has shown me he always, He always rescues and redeems those He loves. Maybe not overnight, maybe not in a year, maybe not in two years. Some struggle for the longest of time. But our hope is in Him, not in He ever changes our situation or not. That's up to Him. I'm going to keep my eyes and my heart and my affection on Him. And as I do, I find hope and He gives me strength. And that's my prayer for you today. And maybe today you are at a place in your life where you want to surrender this moment or what you're going through, this situation, over to Him. And you know in your heart you haven't done that yet. I'm inviting you to do that today. Would you pray with me? And right where you are, just tell Him, just say, God, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my emotions, my feelings and the thing that I want that I think I can never have, I surrender that to you. And I declare with my mouth, I believe you're enough. I believe you're enough. And maybe you need to tell him, right now I don't feel like you're enough, but I'm choosing to believe you're enough. And I place my life in your hands today. My hope is in you and you alone believing you will give me strength one day and I will soar one day and I will walk one day and I will run one day and live life the way you intended me to live it. God, I'm so grateful that we can gather together online, as an online family to open up your word to talk about that you are a God who comes to those who feel so downcast God, we can find hope that we are not alone. These ancient heroes of Scripture that we name our children after went through times of depression as well. But God, you always came through for them. God, we believe you will do the same for us. Thank you for our time together today. And thank you 
that we can truly look at emotions that they, at the time feel like they're bossing us around, but we can say through the power of Jesus Christ, you are not the boss of me. I declare freedom in Jesus Christ, in him alone. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.